This is the RJ Metrics Buddy Time Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Moore. Every episode of this podcast features another RJ Metrics team member sharing things you might not find out about them hanging around the water cooler. I want to extend a big thanks to Alex Klieger. His Softball Diaries podcast is awesome and is the inspiration for this one. And with all that said, let's meet this episode's buddy. Okay, welcome to the Buddy Time Podcast. I'm Bob Moore, your host, and uh, hello, special guest. Why don't you let us know who you are, what your job is at RJ Metrics, and how long you've been here. Hey, Bob. Uh, my name is Michael. I am uh, an analyst here, a data analyst. Um, I've been here for close to two years now. Amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Um, what's your typical day like here? Yeah. So um, I show up, and the first thing I do is I look at Zendesk, which is where all of our client tickets come in. Um, so my role on the analyst team is with the uh, what we call the data analysis services side. So I don't necessarily work on the DW data warehouse stuff. So any at any given time, I'm probably working on probably five to eight or nine or ten um, data analysis requests. Um, they are sort of larger requests. They typically don't take a week, they typically don't even take like two weeks, they'll probably average something like a month to finish out. Um, so my typical day is to go back and forth on the number of requests that I'm working on um, and make headway, ask any questions that I need to with the client, um, build dimensions, build reports, things like that. Um, and beyond that, I guess uh, any sort of projects that that our team is working on or that I'm working on specifically, uh, we can incorporate into any downtime that it may have. Cool. So if I'm understanding this correctly, the analyst team uh, is split into two groups, really. There's the DW side, which is the data warehousing, which is someone writes in with a support ticket. They need a very specific thing done for a very finite purpose. And uh, it's a very highly transactional, high turn, quick response time yeah. side. You're on the other side, yep. uh, which I think you may be one of the first people we've interviewed from that side. That's probably uh, the case. Where there are actually these longer, almost more consulting style uh, engagements that you have with our clients where you're answering bigger picture questions. Sure. Can you give, maybe give an example uh, without naming names of like a kind of thing that you might do? Sure, yeah, so um, yeah, they are typically longer. Um, I also like to think of them as sort of consulting-like uh, processes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, a, recent a recent analysis that I worked on, um, a client wanted to know if, um, recent changes that they had made into their onboarding um, their onboarding process was leading to easier uh, an easier process for those that are trying to apply um, and so we are working with them or we were working with them to figure out if uh, things like the time between application to acceptance or rejection or uh, moving on from phase one to phase two if those things were improving um, and things like, uh, are we bringing in higher quality applicants? Uh, are we accepting uh, a larger number of our applicants? Um, things like that. Uh, that was a really fun analysis. Um, a lot of the times uh, they can be pretty straightforward. This one wasn't necessarily straightforward. So um, this was fun to dive into the data and, and go back and forth with the client to figure out what we needed to find and what we were looking for. and. Um, the questions we were looking to answer. So that was definitely a, a fun one. Cool. Uh, so it's almost like the questions you're being asked are 
more business questions than data questions at the end of the day. It's just that data happens to be the right tool for the job for a lot of these. That is a good description. Yeah. So I think a lot of the times, um, most of the times, yeah, it is a business question. Uh, are these are these new promotions we're running working? Okay. Well, of course we need to figure out how to answer that with the data, but it is a larger business question that you have. Um, you're trying to figure out if uh, some change or new process that you implemented um, is is helping you out or if you should maybe tweak that or get rid of it. Gotcha. Uh, are there, if you think about your life here at RJ, coming up on two years, we've got a big universe of just stuff that goes on at the office, everything from ping pong tournaments to, uh, you know, uh, wine and cheese groups to other uh, things that are related to the company that people get involved with. Do you, outside of the scope of your day-to-day uh, DA work, are there other things that you consider to be kind of like your number two and number three RJ things? Well, I would certainly say to start off with, I despise Cheese Wednesday. <laughs> and, What's your beef with Cheese Wednesday? And the the uh, analysts and account managers that work around me will probably tell you that they know that, um, especially um, Craig. He will definitely tell you that. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I'm not a fan of eating cheese by itself. Um, I like cheese on things like pizza and burgers and um, in sandwiches, but I don't get the appeal of just taking a hunk of cheese and eating it on a cracker. Um, uh, another account manager earlier today described my eating habits as childish, uh, which I took offense to, but um, yeah, I, I just, I don't get the appeal, so I uh, jokingly always give a sarcastic comment, oh great, it's Cheese Wednesday today, I'm so excited. What, um, yeah. what do you think the... Uh, what did your colleague observe uh, you doing that led to the childish comment? There, I, I guess I guess I uh, am a somewhat I wouldn't say I'm a picky eater, but there are a lot of things that I don't really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do seafood really um, as a category. I like crab and lobster. That's about it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do fish, shrimp, things like that. I just don't like it. Um, uh, this came up in context of. Uh, a few colleagues and I went over to Meltcraft for lunch the other day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, actually. Meltcraft and, is like a grilled cheese store, right? Yeah, Meltcraft is. Uh, they they have a few grilled cheese options on the menu, and they're just like it's more than just grilled cheese. There are things in them. Okay. Um. So we went over there, and while we were waiting, we noticed in the dessert case there was a large like mar- a gigantic marshmallow type thing covered in fruity pebbles, mm-hmm. which. Looked good to me, yeah. right? Like as it probably would to most people, and I I didn't get it, but I was commenting that I kind of wish that I had. Yeah. So this got brought up, and then the other colleague said, "It feels like your eating habits are childish." But um, just because one marshmallow rolled in a fruity pebble, right? I know it's, it's yeah, um, it's a bad label for that one thing. Yeah, I won't name names. I won't say who said it, but um, yeah. I don't think my eating habits are are childish. I do feel like the grilled cheese, though, that's a, a dangerous stepping stone between. Uh, your preferred cheese habits and just eating cheese. Oh, that, well, that's my point. Is that I I, I like grill I like cheese on grilled cheese and and sandwiches and burgers and things like that. Um, I just I don't understand taking a knife, cutting off a wedge of cheese, and and eating it. I don't know. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, and I think I know a lot of people that I it, it I am actually more in your camp than the other camp. I'm not a member of Cheese Club, and I feel like there is a certain uh, pretense to having a big plate of cheese be there and uh, appreciating A versus B versus C. Right. I have no problem eating just a hunk of cheese on its own, but I don't go out of my way to do it. I feel like it's a, 
It's really got to be the right cheese in the right moment. It's also sometimes when they bring in cheeses that don't necessarily smell great. Mm-hmm. And to bring it uh, to the people, we don't put it in the kitchen. We put it in the area that all of us are sitting. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't smell great all the time. Yeah. Oh, well. Bad bad, uh, bad way to tee things up for success. Right. Uh, all right. So you're not in the cheese club is your answer to the question, uh, sure. what else do you do here at RJ? Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess among the other... Other than day-to-day work type things, um, I definitely occupy the ping pong table a decent amount. Yeah. Um, Where do you fall in the, if you did a master stack ranking of the company? So I'm good enough to win a couple games in the in the, in the the uh, all-RJ tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, not good enough to go much further than that. Uh, I have played Jake a few times. Yeah. And that doesn't go well. Um Akash, who was on the podcast previously, yep. um, he's very good. Uh, for a long time, he absolutely destroyed me, and I couldn't come close to beating him. But recently, uh, I can beat him every once in a while. I still, oh, wow. I still normally lose, but yeah. I can beat him every once in a while. Um, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I, I enjoy playing, and I enjoy playing a, a bunch of uh, analyst friends. So, um, yeah. It's fine. The way you described that, it made it sound like Jake is unequivocally better than Akash. Uh, I always thought it was the other way around. So, so yes, I, I will I say hope that... I Jake is listening, by the way. I will say that that's not necessarily the, the case. Mm-hmm. I have played Jake, and it's been a long time since I played Jake. The, the first time I played Jake was in the first tournament, which was... Or the first tournament since I had joined, which was at least, I don't know, a year and a half ago, probably. Um, I have probably gotten significantly better by being here and playing people like Akash. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how I would fare against Jake now, yeah. but um, something tells me maybe I could steal a game every once in a while. Yeah. The, uh, with the recent office move, for the first time in the history of the company, Jake and I are working from different floors. Uh, in fact, this is for the first time in my and Jake's entire professional careers that we have not been working. This is, uh, this is sad. Uh, it is weirdly sad, but uh, also complicating things is the fact that there's only one ping pong table, and we're on different physical floors. So there's a there's a rumor going around that I will not uh, confirm or deny that he and I are going to play each other in a battle uh, so, so to get I, the table. So I have heard that rumor as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good you are at ping pong because I've never seen you play. It's a great mystery. So either you're really good or you're really bad, but I have heard that as there is a ping pong tournament currently in progress, mm-hmm. the winner of that tournament should be able to make the call as oh. to what floor the ping pong table resides. That uh, that seems like a good option. That sounds like a much better option than me versus Jake, although uh, less ego stroking for me, until I lose to Jake, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to have some real... The other, it's a lot of... Uh, Good questions here on the fourth. So uh, to listeners that are not from RJ, uh, first of all, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Second of all, uh, there's a ping pong table upstairs that is in kind of a dedicated game room spot. Downstairs here on the fourth floor where about half of our team is, we want to have some kind of game room down here, but there's not a great spot for it that's not super distracting. Uh, So we're looking at uh, either maybe putting it in the equivalent of the boardroom down here because for a very long time RJ had a ping pong table as its boardroom table oh, interesting. it would be like a back to basics kind of thing uh, and there is plenty of room in there um, or putting it way back in the back and maybe building a wall or something sure um, 
but uh, we'll see. The ping pong era is is far from over. Um, so, all right, uh, you help clients uh, make smarter decisions using their data, uh, which I love. Uh, have some fun at the ping pong table, steer clear of cheese, and then you head home after work. What does your typical day after work look like? Yeah, so I probably head to the gym a couple days a week, um, probably two or three days a week. What do you um, do at the gym? Lift weights, and I like to think they're heavier than they are. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I, I go to the gym um, work out for an hour, come home, make dinner, sit on the couch, watch TV. Yeah. Uh, on the days that I'm not going to the gym, it's just that minus the gym part. Yeah. Um, I, I basically, I'll go home, make dinner, and just relax, and probably fall asleep watching TV. So, uh, uh, to give you a lens into to my uh, life, when I say I go home and quote unquote make dinner, I'm usually throwing something in the microwave or putting a can of baked beans on the stove. Are you, are you making dinner? Yes, I am making dinner. So I, I basically, I'll cook dinner probably five or six nights a week. Wow. Yeah. That's not childish, is it? That is not childish at all. Right? I'm assuming, uh, how many of those days are Kraft macaroni and cheese? Zero. Zero days. Zero days. Very adult. Very adult. Yeah. Sophisticated. What, uh, do you have any go-to meals? This is where it gets tiny bit childish, is I make, like, the same three different types of chicken and, like, the same, like, two pastas. So not much variety. It's uh, maybe a little bit boring. It's efficient. Um, yeah, I think you run. You know, I've, I've gone through sprints in my life where I have been cooking a lot more, and you kind of know what you like, and you run out of stuff relatively quickly, and you place a lot of value on efficiency. And yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll change it up and do something like a stir fry or something yeah. like that. But that's usually on the weekends. Gotcha. What's on the TV? Are you a cord cutter Netflix Hulu person, or are you a legit Comcast customer? I am a I am a legit Comcast customer, and considering the change to Verizon, unless Comcast wants to give me a better deal, mm-hmm. uh, but um, I will probably find whatever big sporting event is on. Um, if the Phillies are winning games, which they're not as of late, mm-hmm. um, I'll watch them. Uh, if it's football season, I'll watch the Eagles. Of course, that's just one day a week. Um, huge Flyers fan. Um, other than that, if there's like a big uh, tournament or something going on I will watch uh, as of now like going on right now there's the Euros mm-hmm. uh, and the Copa America was going on previously so I was I've been watching a lot of soccer lately um, yeah anything that uh, huge into sports or Seinfeld that's about it you mentioned every Philly sports team except the Sixers yeah I'm not a huge basketball fan um, if they were good I think I'd probably pay attention more mm-hmm. and like I'd pay attention to things like who they drafted or like any trades they're making. Um, but since they've been so bad for so long, I guess I've lost interest, but I really am not a huge basketball fan to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, for most sports, even if like a Philly sports team isn't in the playoffs, let's say I'll pay attention to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, for basketball, I'll really only pay attention to the finals. Um, and even then, like if there's something else I'd rather watch, I'll do that. Where does your uh, passion for sports come from? Have you been watching Philly sports since you were a kid? Yeah, so I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, probably half an hour or so south of Philadelphia. You might be the first person I've ever... I, I've talked to a lot of people who have lived in Delaware who live in Delaware. No one ever says I grew up in Delaware. So, so this actually came up when, when I was talking to some buddies outside uh, before coming in here. Uh, they were wondering, like, oh, did you think of some interesting things to talk about? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like jokingly. I was like, yeah, I'm not that interesting. I'm not... There's nothing... The list is not very long, and... Mm-hmm. And one of them said, well, you're from Delaware, which to me is not interesting because it's where I'm from. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's so, a great scene in, uh, I think it's the original Wayne's World movie, uh, where they're doing cutaway, they're on a green screen, and they're getting, like, launched to all these different states, and they're like, whoa, I'm in California, man, surf's up, or it's like, hey, I'm from Texas, so right. let's go ride a horse, and then Delaware just appears on the screen behind them, and they're like, oh, oh, Delaware, we're, we're in Delaware. This uh, is exciting. This is exciting. Delaware is, Wilmington, Delaware is the, uh, is the uh, location for Fight Club. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Most people don't know that. Huh. Yeah. Well, all right. The Delaware is uh, vindicated. So yeah. what, what is, uh, is Wilmington, uh, did you actually live in Wilmington or were you in suburbs of Wilmington? Is Wilmington a suburb? Um, no, Wilmington does have a downtown and is a city, obviously a lot smaller than something like Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I was in northern Wilmington. Um, I don't necessarily think you would consider it a suburb, but it was not like the city. Okay. Uh, it was more suburban than it was city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that was like 10 minutes from downtown Wilmington. Does Wilmington have like a triple A baseball team? Wilmington has a single A baseball team, the Wilmington Blue Rocks. The Blue Rocks! Yeah. Okay, right. I went to one of those games when I was like 10 years old. Definitely. Uh, actually, a buddy of mine and I went to the single A all-star game, which I guess they do rotate, like they rotate where they have that. So that was actually in Wilmington a few years ago. Oh, nice. Um, So we went to that and players like, um, there were a couple guys that were there that were like, I think George Brett maybe was there because the the Blue Blue Rocks is a uh, affiliate of the Royals. Um, It it was an affiliate of the Royals. Then it was an affiliate of the the Red Sox for a little bit. Now it's the affiliate for the Royals again. So I don't know if George Brett played in Wilmington, Mm -hmm. but um, I think he was there to throw out the first pitch or something like that. Cool. Um, It was fun for minor league baseball all-star is uh, is double? I'm sorry. Is single A closer to the majors, or no. is triple A closer? Triple A is the closest. So single A is like yeah, basically one step above uh, yeah my local softball team. Sure, definitely. Yeah, you could probably go off. This the, some, the I'm gonna box. I'm gonna get caught on the street by a single A player and get punched in the face. After no, that. yeah, but but there yeah. are some players that have like most players, unless they're phenoms, will start out in single A. Single a. You you rarely will like skip to head up to like double A or triple A or something like that. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, there are certainly um, major leaguers right now that came through Wilmington. Um, one of them, uh, Mike Moustakis, the third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. The Blue Rocks actually this season, um, I think I saw this on Facebook, were releasing a, um, a bobblehead. And since it's the minor leagues, they can do whatever they want. They have fun with like jerseys and things like that. They had a bobblehead for Mike Moustakis where his nickname is Moose, uh-huh. where his body was a moose and it was his head on the moose. So that's that's interesting. Yep. Uh, yeah. So is, did you uh, did you play sports in yeah. Wilmington growing up there? Yeah. So I play I played baseball since I can remember. Um, that was mainly the sport that I played. Um, always loved playing baseball. That's I would say that's probably my favorite sport position. Um, uh, so. Those of you who played baseball will probably know that until you get to like high school ball, like if you're not good, you probably play in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Sorry for those of you who played in the outfield. I played exclusively left field nice. uh, my entire entire little league run. Very good. I didn't mean to insult you or anything. I'm offended <laughs> deeply. Uh, so I actually played in. So I'm left-handed. Oh, I throw left-handed. Yeah, right. But I bat right-handed, which is exactly what you don't want. That's actually my exact baseball configuration. Which is probably why you were in left field. 
Yeah, that may have very well been it. <laughs> anyway, so... That and the fact that I dropped everything. Yeah, that's also a possibility. Um, so I actually played infield for, um, like, Little League, like, second base or even first base. Um, I didn't start playing outfield until high school baseball. Um, and I loved playing outfield. I <laughs> wish I had played it earlier. Um and I actually played uh, club baseball at Wake Forest, um, where I went to school, and um, I played outfield there also. Uh, that was probably similar to your pickup softball league, to be honest. Yeah. Um, that was a very laid back time, but uh, it was awesome. And yeah, outfield, outfield. Once I got to high school ball, and uh, certainly wish I had played outfield beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outfield. I the thing that I did like about it was that. It seemed like, at least for the age group when I was playing baseball, uh, infield was a little more of like a contact sport, and yeah. your like reaction time was extremely important, Definitely. and your ability to move without thinking was super important. Outfield was all about physics and timing yes. and trying yeah. to like perfectly line things up, and also a little bit of like steering human beings, like calling balls, getting people out of your way, right. figuring out who's what. Uh, so I could at least rest my hat on I got put in with the, the smart people position. That's that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Outfield is definitely more about like obviously you don't have to be like super fast to play outfield, but if, if you are, then that's certainly more beneficial as opposed to being super fast in the infield because yeah. once the ball is past you, it's past you. If you're in the infield, it just you can't get it back. But mm. uh, you could certainly flag down a, a deep fly ball in the gap if you're super yeah. quick in the outfield. Cool. Which is what I enjoyed. I, I, I'm not... I was not that good of a, a hitter, um, but I'm, I was fairly fast, so I enjoyed uh, playing outfield and, and getting on base and stealing bases. Nice. What was your high school like? How many kids? Uh, Very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a small private high school, um, graduating class of 48. Wow. Yeah, so actually that's another reason why I played more sports growing up. So uh, because it was so small, they actually made us play sports every single season, all three seasons. Except yeah. when you got to your junior and senior year, you could take one season off. Um, so I actually played, um, I played uh, soccer in high school as well, uh, and then I played basketball for two years and stopped playing that because I was not that good. Although I did have one varsity point. That counts. One point, one for two from the free throw line uh-huh. <laughs> when a bunch of players in varsity were injured and they needed to call up a couple of players from JV. Um, anyway, yeah, so I, I played soccer uh, in high school as well and absolutely loved that. I think. Um, I've told people this before. Um, the biggest thing that I miss from high school was playing soccer. Uh, because I think it's because I went on to play club baseball at Wake Forest. So like I continued to play baseball after that. Yeah. Um, I stopped playing uh, soccer after high school. And just thinking back on some fun times in high school, many of them uh, are with the context of either playing a game or like being at a game for soccer or like after the game, um, like playing under the lights on the turf field, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely thoroughly enjoy that. And that's one of the reasons why I think the, you have to play a sport in all three seasons while many kids probably didn't prefer that at the time. I think looking back on it, it was a very, a very good, um, I guess rule, uh, because, it forces you to do things that you wouldn't have done before, and I would certainly would not have played soccer, but I absolutely love it, and I am a big soccer fan now, and I'll go play pickup soccer every once in a while if I can. Um, so yeah, nice. Do you ever run into Akash playing pickup soccer? So the only time that I actually played pickup soccer here in Philadelphia uh, was with Akash. Um, we went a few weekends ago. Um, I was listening to his podcast earlier, and uh-huh. 
heard him say that a lot of the players there are very good. He was not exaggerating. Yeah. Um, I was, I don't know about chastised, but I was uh, scolded a couple times for turning the ball over, mm. but it was, it was fun, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were good. He's good. He's better than me. I think he was being modest when he described his, his playing skills. Nice. Yeah. I, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm always curious. Um, I'm, a, I'm a man of statistics, and if I think about what are the odds that I would be chatting with somebody who went to a 48-person large uh, high school, they are much lower than the fact that I'd be chatting with a, a person from a 1,000-person high school. Sure. So I'm always curious about the origin story of people that end up in very small community situations. What, like Of all the high schools you could have gone to, how and why do you think you ended up at that one? Um, my dad went to uh, that school's Tower Hill in Wilmington, okay. Tower Hill School. Um, my dad went to that school. Um, his brothers went there. Wow. Um, yeah, I think uh, I don't know if that was particularly the reason, but honestly, so I that school they have a pre K all the way through all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. I was there from kindergarten. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was there from kindergarten through high school. So. Um, I don't know if that was the reason because my dad went, but um, yeah, I guess that is my best attempt at an origin story. Those uh, friendships that you forge out of that group must be really, really deep. Yes, definitely. Um, the funny thing is, uh, there there were uh, so so I'm a triplet actually. Yeah, uh, I cannot wait to spend time talking sure. about triplets. I was actually going to ask. Uh, Without burying the lead, if your uh, your siblings, so you're one of three identical male triplets, is that right? So I think technically two are identical, and one is fraternal. Oh wow! But if you were to look at us and not know us, you'd probably say that we're all identical. Which I'm, I think the odds of that happening is astronomical. All three being identical, that would mean one egg split, and then that one of the two splits split, split again. again. Yeah. Um, I think the odds of that are. Astronomical, not the odd, not that the odds of triplets, regardless, is astronomical. But yeah. um, huh. I think t- two are identical. One is fraternal. Um, our parents never really told us who was identical. They <laughs> acted like they knew, but like weren't really sure, and like didn't really know for sure. Uh-huh. If I look at uh, younger pictures of us three, um, I think I look like my one brother named Andrew, mm-hmm. and I think Evan. I can always pick Evan out like instantly. So. Looking at those pictures, I would say Andrew and I are identical. Mm-hmm. But um, if I see pictures more recently, I think Andrew and Evan look more alike. Interesting. And I look different than they do. So, um, and just from hearing things from my parents, I think it's probably more likely that they are identical and I am fraternal, but what's not the, 100% positive. What's the psychology of that? Like, do you want to be I, uh, the... The lone wolf? Do you want to be part of the team? Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. I could not care less. Huh. They, they actually went to the same school. They went to Tufts um, after high school uh, up near Boston, and, and I went to Wake Forest, like I said earlier. Um, so potentially, like, there are things that maybe it's like, oh, well, you do things maybe a little bit differently. Maybe they are identical and you're fraternal. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really necessarily think that really plays into it. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Right, and I don't think um, – I don't think uh, – I don't care either way. Yeah, it would not affect me one way or the other. Have you ever uh, so so in your 40, 48 people per class high school? Did all three of you go there, and were you all in the same class? Uh, yes, we all went to the same high school. We all went to the same kindergarten through high school. Um, up through up through um, 
elementary school, we were always in different classes because there would always be about there would always be three different like single classes in elementary school. Uh-huh. Um, and then middle school, when you start taking, um, I guess you start taking classes with specific teachers that teach specific subjects. Um, I think they tried to keep us separate, but there were a couple times where we would be in the same class or two of us would be in the same class. Um, and then in high school, um, I think it was more of the same. Sometimes we were separated and sometimes um, we would end up taking the same classes. There was, I don't think there was really an effort at that point to keep us in different classes. Um, so yeah, there were certainly classes where I was uh, there with both of my brothers. I feel like the opportunities for shenanigans in that world are vast. Yeah, this came up actually the other day because it was so small and like everyone knew each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty hard to do. There certainly were cases where like I would go to a class and pretend to be Evan or Andrew, but like that was super rare to be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, so was there a, was there a payoff from that, or are you doing him a favor, or like what's the incentive for uh, so to for be switcheroo? To be honest, I don't actually remember doing that. Maybe more than like one or two times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably was with a like a, a teacher who was new and people maybe took a little bit advantage of and mm-hmm. like sort of joke around in her, joked around in her class and we thought it would be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably wasn't that funny, to be honest. Um, there was no bet lost or no payoff or no paying someone back for something, I don't think. Um, not that I can remember. Uh, what about um, more uh, more nefarious purposes like the three of you all take practice SATs, one of you is obviously going to score the best, you just send them in three weekends in a row? No, we didn't do that. I, I, I think if... Uh, I think if it were the case that one was significantly better than the other, that that person probably would not be game for taking the SAT numerous times. That's a good moral punch, you crush tools. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't. No, we never did that. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, why did you go to Wake Forest? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I had no clue what I wanted to do. No clue what I wanted to take as far as like classes or or what to major in. Um, I, we just went on um, a college tour up north and we went on a college tour down south mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't necessarily looking for something specific so as strange as it might sound a lot of what I based my decisions off of whether I liked a place or didn't like a place was did the tour feel good mm-hmm. was the like was the campus depressing the, at the time that I went there like that's probably not the way you should do it, but certainly, like, oh, sure. if you're there on a rainy day, like, it's just going to feel like a darker place than if you're there on, like, a it's 85 degrees out and it's super sunny and there's not a cloud in the sky. I've often wondered if the data gets kept on who comes to campus tours and then you link that to the weather and look at the application rate. That is a great idea. So I certainly wouldn't say that I made the decision based off of that, but I think I tried to base my, my decision off of the feel I had yeah. on, when going on campus tours. Um, because I wasn't necessarily looking for a good this type of program or a good that type of program. Um, I will say that uh, Tufts was probably my number two, was definitely my number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not positive because uh, they haven't explicitly said this, but I think that for both my brothers, Wake Forest was probably th- their number two. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, did you apply to Tufts? Yes. You got into Tufts? Yes. So, okay, cool. So I had to make uh, the decision. Yeah. 
uh, it's got to be so weird for those admissions people to consider uh, triplets for admission. It's kind of like it's a package deal in some ways. I wonder if they were like, wait, Crush Tool, we already admitted this guy. This should be a yes. This should be a yes. It's like one, only one of us should have gotten accepted. Yeah. But they were like, wait, I remember that name. Like That should have been a yes. Like This third guy's picture looks just the slightest bit right. different than the first two. Right. Uh, cool. All right. Well, um, wow. Uh, do you were, so where do your brothers live now? Uh, one lives in DC mm-hmm. and works for a insurance company. Yeah. And one lives in Boston and works for an insurance company. Uh-huh. Uh, more signs that maybe they are identical and I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're just sort of littering the East coast. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do really wonder if you sent one of them in here just quietly to stand at your computer and pretend to work how long it would take if ever for them to get uh, found out during the course of a day yeah I think probably um, I think Craig who I stand and or sit next to um, and have for a while now even after moving to the fourth floor Mm -hmm. um, I think Craig would probably figure it out pretty quickly um, because he would say something and the other brother my brother would just like not react or something like that um I imagine off based off of looks, like it probably we could probably get away with it. Wow. Are you tired of triplet related questions? Is this is this like the thing that you meet a stranger at a bar, the secret comes out and then they ask you about it for two hours? No, I'm not tired. I, I don't it doesn't really come out normally. Um because we went because I went to a different college, mm, yeah. um, it didn't it like really never came up there, except on the first day of class when the professor says, Okay, everyone, we're gonna go around the room. Tell one interesting fact. Tell us where you're from and one interesting fact about you. That was always my interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, no one really – like, no one asked about it, to be honest, after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that really never came up. So, no, I'm not tired of talking about it. I, I think it, it lends to some funny stories about, like, when we were growing up, people would always come up to us and say, oh, are, are you three twins? <laughs> like, because they didn't know either the word triplet or, yeah. like – I don't know. Yeah, we, we got that a ton. Yeah. Um, and things like we were color coordinated as babies to keep us straight. So like in like baby. Oh, like you always right, wore right. blue I, or something? Yes, I was always blue. All right. We got something going here. Yeah. Got yeah. The, old, uh, the old mind melt. Yeah. So, happening. Yeah. So I was always blue. Um, so like you'll look at baby pictures and see that there's always a blue, a green, and a red, I think it was, or maybe yellow. I forget. Uh-huh. Um, just interesting tidbits like that. But uh, no, I don't really get sick of talking about it because I don't talk about it too much. Where uh, Where is Wake Forest? Wake Forest is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, ah. which is probably an hour, hour and a half from Chapel Hill mm-hmm. and maybe an hour and a half, two hours from like Raleigh, Durham, Okay. Um, half an hour from Greensboro. Gotcha. Yeah, right there in the middle somewhere. So uh, was it a big adjustment going to a place where presumably your average lecture class was probably bigger than your entire high school class. Yeah, I guess it was an adjustment. Um, I don't, I, I honestly, I don't think it was that hard of a time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the lecture classes and like very intro classes were larger, but honestly, Wake, Wake Forest is a small, is a fairly small college anyway. I think it's a little under 5,000 undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's that small, um, it's certainly not large. Um, I did not take very many classes that had more than like 
30 people in it, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, after the first few classes, like first semester freshman year, um, when I started taking more specific classes, like math classes and things like that, um, they were fairly similarly sized to my classes in high school, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not that bad of an, that big of an adjustment. What did you major in? Um, I was a mathematical business major. Whoa. Is that uh, uh, more math or more business? Um, flip a coin and decide. I don't know. Uh-huh. Right, right, right down the middle, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more math. Um, I thoroughly enjoy that. So, like, I, I always knew that I uh, liked math. Uh, that was my favorite class in middle school and high school. Um, and I was always good at math. I didn't know what I wanted to do with that or like what I would do with that. So I, I did not want to be a math major. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, to use the Seinfeld reference. Uh, but um, so this was sort of a perfect like use of math and also get something else out of it combination. Um, half of my major requirements were in the math uh in the math building, and then half of my major requirements, maybe slightly less than half, were um, in the business school. Okay. Um, I I definitely enjoyed it. I think that it could have probably been a little bit better. They probably so the math classes they tried to choose ones that had um, a little bit of business application to them, mm-hmm. um, and then the business classes. So like that that was nice. While they probably stretched that a little bit, to be yeah. honest, um, the business classes though, we had to take other than like the math business specific seminar class, um, which was actually really interesting. Um, we basically just had to take like a ton of the intro level business classes. Like we had to take one finance class, one or two marketing classes, um, managerial and financial accounting. Um, other than that, like our requirements in the business school were not really there beyond just sort of the basics, um, which I think probably could have been done a little bit better. Gotcha. How many people were in that major? Yeah, that was the so in the business. So it was technically a part of the business school. Okay. Um, there, I think there were four majors in the business school: accounting, finance, um, something else that no one knows, and and math business. Math business was by far the smallest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my graduating class there were probably fifteen to twenty of us in that specific major. Hmm. Oh, so wow. so we, okay. we, we got to know each other. Yeah. Not that we all took the same classes at the same time. We certainly did not. Mm-hmm. But when we had to take like the math business seminar, we were all in that at the exact same time. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a small group, but that that sort of made it feel um, feel pretty uh, intimate, I guess. Did you have any kind of senior thesis or culminating course or anything like that? No, no senior thesis. Uh, the one that I've mentioned a couple of times now, the one like math business seminar class, yeah. that was actually really interesting. What we ended up doing in that class was um, the final project. We got broken up into teams of something like three or four, and we actually worked with local businesses to help them analyze something that they wanted help with. Um, I, if I remember correctly, my it wasn't that long ago, but obviously my memory's not great. Uh, my project was working with a local organization that uh, that I think fed the homeless and or was a homeless shelter, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was also a religious tinge to that. Um, we helped them, we helped them analyze, uh, I think their fundraising. Um, we did no sort of analysis in regards to how much food they're ordering and how much gets used or things like that. Um, I think the thing that we uh, looked at with them was 
um, their different uh, fundraising campaigns and um, which of those were more successful and which of those maybe they should continue or not continue, which sounds a little sounds bit like, a little bit like your, your TA work. job. Yeah. It, it definitely does. Um, and I honestly, so like after, after that, I, I don't really, I don't dwell on that. I don't, I don't think about that uh, other than when it gets brought up, which I would say probably right now is the second or third time. And the other two were probably like during interviews mm-hmm. when I was coming out of college. Um, so I don't really think about that, but um, I think the connection is clearly there mm-hmm. between those and between that and what I do now. Wow. Uh, so you graduated from this major. Um, was RJ your first job out of college? RJ was and is my first job out of college, yes. Amazing. Yes, I uh, yeah, definitely. Awesome. So uh, how much of a slam dunk this is the first place you looked and applied versus you cast a wide net and narrowed it down? What was your process like? Good question. So um, I'll compare this to my brothers because the at the end at the end it's a pretty interesting um story so my two brothers uh had jobs lined up partway through senior year of college Mm -hmm. um one they both went to school at tufts near boston one works in boston now uh so that was certainly easier for him to uh to get uh and then the other one in dc i guess it wasn't fairly difficult for him to get that either uh, I was struggling. I, I kind of knew that I wanted to, to work and live in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was struggling to um, find openings in Philadelphia. I think it's my experience was that it was a little bit difficult being nowhere near Philadelphia and things like career fairs. If there are companies that are there that are not in like Charlotte or Raleigh, Durham, they're here from like New York. Mm-hmm. Um or San Francisco or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I found it a little bit difficult to uh, find what I was looking for. I, RJ was not the first or only place that I applied. Um, I, But then then again, I also don't think I really cast that wide of a net, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, I think I, when I got, when, when I found the RJ opening, which I think I found through um, Glassdoor or um, Indeed, maybe I forget. It was some yep. job search site, mm-hmm. um, and applied. Um, when I got the email that gets sent out for like, hey, like we'd love to see, we'd love to to talk with you further. Um, fill out this sort of test type thing. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, what are the interview process is like? You have to sort of take a. Uh, uh, sort of a, a test beforehand and uh, answer some questions. Um, when I got that and read that, okay, you, uh, you're you analyzing data for a fake company named Vandalay Industries. When I got to that, those two <laughs> words, Vandalay Industries, as a huge sci-fi fan, yeah. I audibly said, I have to work for this place, um, which isn't how you should base your, your job or your career. So that certainly was a sort of a joke, but um, took the test, went well, uh, talked to some people over the phone, came in for an interview, um, went well. Um, I think I got the offer uh, later that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny story about that, though, in comparison to my brothers is uh, I started in – so I graduated in whenever you graduate from college, June or something like that, or yeah. May. I guess it's probably May. Um, no, not May. Yeah, yeah, I think May. May. Yeah, May. Late May. Maybe early May. I forget. Um so my brothers, like I said, had jobs lined up, but they actually didn't start until I think it was September 2nd. Uh-huh. And I was meanwhile stressing over the summer while also probably playing a little too much golf. Yeah. Uh, stressing over the summer, trying to find a job whilst living at home with my parents, along with my brothers who were just relaxing and mm. doing whatever they wanted because they had jobs lined up already. 
turns out uh, I ended up only starting work like two and a half or three weeks after they did. So it all lined up pretty evenly. Nice. Unnecessary stress. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Thoroughly pleased with that decision. One thing uh, I wanted to ask about uh, from my dossier here is volunteer work that you've done uh, with Habitat for Humanity and uh, having gone down to New Orleans. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So uh, I'll skip Habitat for Humanity because I think people know about that and um, it was a fun time, but that was a more like one or two or three time basis, um, fairly short term. Um, the the trip down to New Orleans was amazing. So we actually, my brothers and I actually both all went with um, uh, a youth Jewish um, organization, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, um, where they set up a bunch of these sort of volunteer trips um, all across the country. Uh, they probably have ones on the West Coast and um, uh, here on the East Coast somewhere, probably in New England. Um, and we actually went on this trip down to New Orleans. Uh, and this was, I think, 2000 and you could probably tell me because it's probably on there. <laughs> I, uh, I do not have a date. I don't have a date. Well, Katrina was 2005, right? I don't remember at this point. Okay, so it was 2005. This was pro- Okay, so this was probably actually 2000. No, it was during high school. So was, I think it was 2008. I think it was probably like sophomore year, after sophomore year of high school. Okay. Um, so it was a few years after Katrina, but we went down and the volunteer work was to clean up after Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a two week, it was a two week trip where the first week, um, I think, I think we were all broken up into three different sort of groups. Uh, and the first week we each worked on a separate, um, organization doing whatever it is that they did. And then the second week, uh, within the same group, we rotated to one of the other two. Um, so I think for the first week I was busy, um, I think we pretty much did very similar things, I guess, in like different, different sort of neighborhoods or parishes down there. Um, so I, I guess throughout both weeks, uh, we did things like, um, clearing out vacant lots that had been cut, that had become like overgrown with weeds that were like as tall as I was. Um, and then things like building new houses or, um, refurbishing houses that had been somewhat destroyed and had sort of already been started getting fixed up but weren't there all the way mm-hmm. um so that was definitely uh, an amazing experience during the day and then at night we um did various new orleans activities that you can do when you're underage um we did things like go on a ghost tour at night um i think one one night we went over to a uh a a uh, a local like actually it wasn't even local it was like a sleepaway camp it may have been a Jewish sleepaway camp I forget mm-hmm. um, in Mississippi um, mm. so we uh, crossed borders to go to Mississippi that's the first time I had ever been there it's the first time I'd ever been to uh, Louisiana as well um, uh, for uh, we went over to a camp and did the various activities that they do on a s- specific day this must have been over the weekend I think. Uh-huh. Um, I'm forgetting the other sort of events that we did, but it was it was an absolute blast. And um, for anyone thinking about doing sort of more long-term volunteer uh, trips, uh, I would definitely recommend it because um, I wasn't sure how I felt about it going in and absolutely loved it. And uh, while I don't necessarily keep in touch with anyone anymore, we certainly uh, did keep in touch with uh, numerous people for the um, – short while afterwards probably the first few years after uh after that trip um so that was a that was an amazing time 
Did you, I'm just uh, putting dates together in my head here while I feel old, and you mentioned that you were a sophomore in high school in 2008. Uh, So... uh, you talked a little bit about technology and high school. When I was in high school, I AOL Instant Messenger was like the be-all, end-all. Just like the mere fact that you could, you would dial up your dial-up modem and you would go and chat with people over the internet, which was was amazing. Uh, Facebook was presumably out and a thing when you were in high school. Yeah. I may have even seen the emergence of Instagram toward the end, maybe a little bit. Like... Can you talk about Maybe. just like technology and how it has impacted your social life growing up, uh, you know, 10 years younger than I am? Yeah, I, that's that's a good point. I would say because it was probably so prevalent and available growing up, I would say it's hard for me to say how it has impacted me because it just has just been a, a part of my life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, a similar question uh, people ask about being a triplet. Like, oh, what is it like being a triplet? Have you ever thought about like – what it's like not to I don't really think about it because it just was a part of my life and um, and that's all I've known so I can't compare it to anything else do you have a special name for people that aren't triplets is it like singlets in, or in, normies inferi- inferiors inferiors yes inferiors <laughs> no I, I don't um, so uh, I don't really think I can answer how it impacted my life I, I definitely do remember though going home after probably like middle school and chatting with friends on AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah. So that was a thing also. All right. Um, All right. Bridging the gap. Yes. I I do remember that. I got – I actually got Facebook fairly late in the game and I actually only got Facebook after that that volunteer trip down to New Orleans to keep in touch with Hmm. uh, many of those people. Yeah. Um, So that was – so I guess I got Facebook around 2008 but plenty of people had it before then. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how to answer how it impacted me. It was just, it was a part of my life. It was there. Yeah, it was there. What is if you pull out your phone at any given moment and you have a muscle memory reflex to open up one time waster app? Like, what's the thing you go to? Probably Snapchat. Snapchat? Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about this. So, oh, yeah. I, uh, uh, I just got onto Snapchat like literally three days ago. I think I sent my first snap like yesterday. Welcome. Uh, I, I feel very welcomed. Um, it seems super fun. I, you tell me about your relationship with Snapchat, how you use it, um, yeah. how you came to use it. Yeah, so I was actually pretty late to the Snapchat game as well, at least compared to like friends and, and uh, my brothers and, and some cousins. Um, I, I think I downloaded it for the first time when I was uh, back from college in the summer, back at home, or maybe it was even like a, a winter break or something back home. And... Uh, had a couple of buddies over from high school and um, they were going back and forth with my brothers taking stupid Snapchats and sending them to each other and like drawing vulgar things on the pictures mm-hmm. and, and it seemed like it was just super fun so I was like, yeah. like why am I not doing this um, so so I guess I was fairly late to the Snapchat game in that aspect yeah. um, but my Snapchat use is uh, I don't send things to very many people Um, probably my brothers a couple cousins and then uh, probably a a small handful of friends probably five or six or seven friends Um, anything that I think is funny or interesting or um, things that I can share with the world I don't have an Instagram so I don't share pictures Uh, that way Um, I rarely use Facebook these days to be honest Mm -hmm. Um, so 
anything that I think is worth sharing is probably usually done on Snapchat. So, uh, how do you use the thing where you have your story and the whole world can see it, or is your use much more about direct contact with individuals? Much more about direct use with the small handful of people that I want to send specific things to. Mm-hmm. Um, I will share things to my Snapchat story, but uh, not that often. The, the thing that strikes me as distinctly... Um, well, distinct about Snapchat is how little it really matters that you have a big following or a lot of people that you are friends with or even how uh, you can't actually tell if someone that you're uh, Snapchatting with is a super avid Snapchat user or just really likes you uh, and is chatting with you. And I think that's there's something... Uh, I am probably unhealthily interested in having followers on Twitter and having a uh, you know a network that is large, and there's something really nice about that aspect of it. That it's kind of like it's not that you're choosing. Hey, do I put this on Snapchat or do I put it on Facebook? It's that you're choosing. Hey, do I send a text or do I send a Snapchat? Right. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a, definitely a valid point. Uh, there obviously are people that are on Snapchat that have like insane followings. DJ Khaled. I was just gonna say you should probably follow him. If he's you like don't. The, he's the only uh, person that I follow right now that actually posts something every single day. And by something every single day, you mean like twenty things, right? I got the keys, keys, right. keys. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, we all we all know the first <laughs> we, 15, all know the we all know the first ten seconds <laughs> of all of his singles that are coming out because he's just playing them nonstop on his Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, the, a funny thing about DJ Khaled on, on Snapchat, he actually went through a period where he was using um, uh, Twenty Two Days Nutrition. Who I don't is, know what that is. Who is is or was one of our clients. Oh, that's our client. Oh, I mean 22 Days Nutrition. Yeah. Yes, of course. Wonderful. Yeah, lovely. 22 Days Nutrition. Yeah, and he was he was snapping that like numerous times a day. He'd be out like working out in his lush green grass with his lion yeah. statue. Watering and, the plants. Yeah, watering the plants. He'd be out like working out and then like would come back and be eating like 22 Days Nutrition meals. Um, he went for like a while. He, so I think he got through the 22 days and uh-huh. was like, I'm doing it again yeah. and like went through another 22 days worth. Wow. Um, so while I haven't and uh, that's certainly not what we would do, I think it would be very interesting to just go in and look and see. Uh, did they have a, a spike yeah. in like subscriptions? You should offer a free uh, DAS thing in exchange for a case study or something. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. I have always been interested to note, to, to see if uh, they maybe had a little boom and a little spike in, in user uh, signups. I would assume they did, yeah. I would think they would too. Mm-hmm. Although, no offense to DJ Khaled, I don't know if he's the best person <laughs> to, like, yeah. to be like showcasing either a fitness and or a like, health food uh, type uh, product. Not a slender gentleman. No, not slender at all. But I think he he owns it. He does. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Definitely. Now I got that. I got the keys song stuck in my head. Have, uh, you, heard, have you heard the whole thing, or have you only heard? The I've ten? only heard the ten seconds right. that he plays. Right. I don't think it's from what I've heard. The ten seconds is. You pretty much that, get the idea. Yeah, it's yeah. not that great. It is. Uh, I well, I know that his. Uh, his whole Snapchat thing, or at least the thing that got him big on Snapchat, was DJ Khaled's "Keys to Success." Definitely. Yeah. So that song is basically it is. it's basically him talking about him on Snapchat. It is. Oh, and and his and his uh, his uh, the new album that is coming out. Uh, I should remember the name. I should remember the. Date I've seen because, it on the side of a tour bus that he has on Snapchat every right. day. Right. Uh, I think the name of it is Major Key, which uh. is what he like. He says that nonstop in uh, on Snapchat. So yes, the entire album probably is based off of Snapchat. Let's be serious. Yeah. All right, Khaled. I, he's probably the only one that can get away with it. Yeah, he really. I, there's really not another. Even when I downloaded it, I googled 
Snapchat celebrities or like people you must follow on Snapchat. And it was really not that dense a universe. Like it's just not a a social network designed for that kind of mass consumption. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, he, he's. I think he's the only person that I don't actually know that I uh, follow on <laughs> Snapchat. Awesome. Uh, well, keep an eye out for me. I'll uh, I'll friend you on there, and then uh, you can watch me. Uh, I don't know. Talk about the keys. Definitely <laughs> the new keys. <laughs> uh, so I. Uh, what have I not asked you about that I that I should be? What have I missed? What have you missed in the Michael Kreshtul story? I don't really know. That's a really good question. Uh, I always enjoy talking about my golf game. Yeah, golf it up. Do you golf? Uh, I golf two to three times a year. So, so no. No, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I mentioned this a while ago. Uh, when I was looking for a job that, that summer after college, uh, when I was probably spending too much time playing golf, um, I was playing probably once a week. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I probably play in the summer and I guess the spring and fall when it hasn't gotten too cold, I'll probably play a couple times a month mm-hmm. um, and probably go through spells of um, playing more often and then spells of not playing for three or four weeks. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I absolutely love golf. Uh, I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I What's want, your definition of not good? Well, uh, if I break triple digits, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. If I break triple digits, I had a good day. Yeah. Um, I'll have a good hole here and there, but then I'll have a bunch of eights and nines. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about, I think people that don't play or, or watch golf think of golf as like this super boring, slow game. And it can be boring and slow. Um, but if you go out and you're not out when it's super packed and you're waiting for 20 minutes after every single hole for the group in front of you to clear away, if you're not waiting a lot, um, there's not that much downtime and I think uh, there's just something there's something relaxing about like you being in control of your own outcome mm-hmm. while also being able to uh, either enjoy or feel disdain towards your friend who's playing better or worse than you yeah. and like secretly wishing that maybe they missed a putt so that your score would be better than them mm-hmm. um there's something enjoyable to me about that. Um, as we're filming this podcast, 4th of July is coming up in a few days. Yeah. Uh, I probably plan to play a little golf this weekend uh, with a couple of buddies. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I my other The other activity that I enjoy doing other than playing or watching other sports is to play golf, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know if that really answers. That's not the one thing you really wanted to hear from me, but it's uh, that's it sounds like it's an important uh, part of the part of the story. Yeah, that's where I took it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, so I do have a couple of questions that I ask every single person on this podcast. Um, not quite sure why, but one day I might have a ton of footage I can uh, string together, and uh, maybe it'll be interesting. So um, we talked about your favorite time waster app, and we talked a little bit about college. If you could go back to college today and retake any course that you took while you were there, which one would it be and why? You're asking if I thoroughly, if I enjoyed a course enough that I say I have to take that class again. You can you can pick your logic for why it is. Uh, your thorough enjoyment of it back then is one. Some people say there's a course that I got a C in and totally uh, glossed over, but knowing what I know now, I think it might have been my a course I could have really dug my teeth into. Oh, I have a perfect answer for this. Um, 
So I took one computer science class my first or second semester senior, I forget. I, mm -hmm. I think it may have been first semester senior when it was already too late to do anything about it if I wanted to. Yeah. Absolutely loved that class. Mm. Uh, I don't think it was terribly difficult. It was a, it was an intro class. Uh, we learned um, Visual Basic, which from what I hear is not that useful yeah. as, a, as a program. <laughs> if you want to write Excel macros, uh, right, 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 right. it comes in handy. Right. So I, I think um, the actual language we learned there was not that useful, but uh, I loved that class. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had taken that first semester freshman year and if I had not been a computer science major or like a math business computer science double major, yeah. um, I certainly would have at least minored in computer science. Um, I love that class. Uh, I don't do anything computer science-y in my day-to-day -day, day -day job now because I don't have those skills. Mm -hmm. um, but had I taken that earlier, uh, I definitely could see myself um, having done something more relevant to that field. Um, and definitely would take that earlier if I could have. Mm -hmm. uh, do you get to do any of that stuff here at RJ? I know you get to sink your teeth into some SQL. Uh, that's that's the extent of any sort of uh, programming or query or anything like that language yeah. um, that I do here at RJ. Um, certainly no Visual Basic. Mm -hmm. And even if I had to use Visual Basic, I would have to relearn it over again probably. Yeah, you um, both. Yeah, right. Um, no, but uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I love that and uh, wish I had taken it earlier. Cool. Who's your best friend? Who is my best friend? Uh, is it cheesy to say my girlfriend? No, that's a totally legit answer. All right, well, that's my legit answer. Cool. Uh, can you talk about your girlfriend a little bit? Uh, we have been together for, um, I don't know, like six or seven years. Wow. How do we get this far in the podcast? We talked about your home life. We talked about cook dinner every night. So the we girlfriend. Have, do you guys live together? Uh, no, we don't. But uh, she also works and lives in Philadelphia. Great. Um, so we see each other all the time. Mm -hmm. um, she also went to Wake Forest. That was not planned. Mm -hmm. uh, we went. Was to, it, were you uh, together in high school? We went to the same high school. Um, I guess we started dating like the end of high school. Okay. Um, like I said, not planned to go to the same college. Mm -hmm. um, I, she got in well before me, and I tried to make that decision, withholding that information, mm -hmm. um, and think I made the right choice regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Uh, last question: What is your recommendation for who should appear on this podcast next? My recommendation who should appear on this podcast next. I've brought him up a couple times. Here it is. Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly, you've been nominated. And at this rate, you will get interviewed in October of 2016. Definitely. After we hit the backlog. You should ask him about his amazing high school basketball days because he's about as tall as Shaquille O'Neal. He is a tall man. But he definitely did not play high school basketball. Oh, no. <laughs> but you should ask him about that anyway. I definitely will. And act like you thought he did. Good. I will. I'll make sure we raise the door jam here. We get him in the room. Yeah, you definitely have down. to raise the door jam. Yeah. Uh, awesome, Michael Crestul. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, great timing too. We're running about an hour. Amazing. Uh, great job. Uh, and thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on the RJ Buddy Time Podcast. Salute.